because today we have a special, special honor to have Corey Wasson speaking. Um, that was him doing the backflip off of the jumpy. So we're just wondering if you would be willing to do a backflip off of here. No. Oh. I thought it would be your pleasure. <laughs> All right. We love Corey. Man, so glad that you're speaking today. Love you, man. Woo, awesome. Thank you, Aaron. Give, give him a birthday round of applause. We'll give all the parents time to kind of get out. Man, I am so thankful to be a part of this community. We moved back to Ohio uh, almost two years ago, and we were just here for a couple months. And then we went off and did a school with an organization called YWAM. And then when the pandemic hit, uh, everything that we were planning to do kind of got halted and we unexpectedly kind of ended up being rerouted back to Ohio and I'm just I'm so thankful that we landed back here so I don't know how you guys became a part of this community I don't know you know when you joined the church but for us that's a little bit of our journey and, and we are just so tremendously grateful to be here and that Aaron and Nicole in particular they, they welcomed us into the community with with open arms and they made space for us and they gave us opportunities and um, one of the really cool things is something that is special about Aaron is I feel like he's the type of person who doesn't make you prove yourself to him before he decides to love you. You guys ever been in the presence of someone like that? Someone who makes you feel like you're automatically loved. You're automatically accepted. You're automatically enough. You're automatically trusted. And there's something really healing and transforming and empowering about being in the presence of someone like that. And that's something that I love about Aaron. Every time I get to be with you, I, I feel that. I feel strength and confidence. And I'm like, wow, thank you for, thank you for being like that. Um, and so what an amazing leader and pastor. So grateful for him. All right, we're gonna, we're gonna hit the scriptures hard today. I hope you guys are okay with that. Um, the, the last time I had the opportunity to speak, I, I shared stories. I told you some of my testimony, some of my mom's testimony. I was really talking about the transforming power of the gospel. And I apologize to you in that sermon that we, that we weren't going to hit the scriptures hard because it's my favorite thing to do. But today, today, my friends, we're going deep in the scriptures. So get out your Bible, get out your notes. We, we are gonna hit it hard today. We're gonna go a couple different places. And um, we, we have been in a... In a kind of an informal series. We didn't plan for it to be a series, but it's kind of shaping up to be a series. And uh, so a few weeks ago, Aaron preached on the power of the blood. And if you didn't get the opportunity to watch that message, you should go back and do that. And then he took us forward and he preached on the power of the cross, the power of the gospel. And he was really just taking us into the simplicity of the gospel, but also how profound it is that Jesus died on the cross for us, as us, in our place, for our sins, taking it upon himself. And he shared that with us. And again, if you didn't catch it, go back and watch it. And then last week, he took us even further and talked about because of his blood and because of his cross, he has now been given the name above every name. And so he was talking about the power of the name of Jesus. And uh, this week, I want to I wanna take us even a, a little bit further in this journey. And I, I want to continue talking about Jesus, but I want to I talk about the power of the Holy Spirit, particularly the power of the Holy Spirit as it was expressed in the life of Jesus. Okay, so that's where we're going to go today. And uh, I, want, I want us to get lost in Jesus today. That's, that's the only goal of my sermon today, 
is I want you to catch a glimpse of Jesus that will leave you breathless at some point in time in this sermon. I'm hoping that you will start out looking at me and listening to me, and at some key moment, you're going to go, and your, your eyes are going to behold him, and, and you're actually going to see him in his beauty and in his glory, and your heart is going to start beating on the inside of your chest in response to him and to who he is, and specifically his relationship with the Holy Spirit. So that's where we're going to go today. You guys ready? Okay, awesome. So I want us to start in Philippians 2. I, they, they will probably put it up on the screen, uh, but if you have your Bibles, man, I would encourage you to get them out and to go there. I'll be reading from the ESV. I like lots of different translations, but this is a good one as well. So we're going to do ESV today. Philippians 2, and we're going to go down to verse 6. Actually, we'll start in verse 5. And here's where we're going to begin talking about Jesus. So Paul is writing to the believers in Philippi, and he says this, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. So we're going to pause there. And here's what I want to present to you. I want to I start with us looking at Jesus even before he was born. In the scriptures, most of you will know this, but some of you might not, but the, what is told to us in the scriptures is that Jesus' story did not start at his birth. That Jesus' story is actually ancient. That Jesus' story is eternal and infinite. That he is from everlasting to everlasting. And that he existed. That, that, that being that was in the person of Jesus that walked and talked on the earth 2,000 years ago, that that being was in existence far before that period of history happened. And this is what this is talking about. He's saying, I want to remind you that Jesus was once in the form of God. Right, John 1.1 1, 1 begins, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And it goes down further to tell us that that Word came and dwelt among men, and that His name was Jesus. Right? The testimony of the Scriptures is that, that Jesus began in the form of God, that He is divine in nature. Okay? In John 12.41 the Apostle John is writing, and he said, when Isaiah had that vision that's recorded in Isaiah 6, where he was taken up into heaven, and he saw a king seated in glory upon a throne with angels all around him crying out to him, he said Isaiah was actually seeing Jesus before he was born. You guys with me? Okay. And in John 17, 5, Jesus is praying to the Father, and he says, Father, 
I'm asking that you would glorify me with the glory that we shared together before we created the world. Can you imagine being in that prayer meeting where Jesus and his disciples are praying and then Jesus just goes super saiyan on them. Jesus goes absolutely nuclear. He's like, they're praying like, Lord, give us our daily bread and Lord, we ask that your kingdom would advance. Jesus, take me up into the glory that we shared together before we together created the world. And they're, listen, they're listening in on this man named Jesus talk to the father like that. Okay, so Jesus existed in the form of God. And here's what it says that he did. And I want this to, I, I want this to astound us for a moment. It says that though he was in the form of God, though he was completely divine, though he was the eternal king sitting on his eternal throne, in the highest of heavens, surrounded by angels who worship him and praise him day and night and night and day, crying out, holy, 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 like Nicole read to us. Even though that was his constant reality, this is what it says of Jesus, that he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. And that word grasp it doesn't, it doesn't have the connotation, like if I don't have that water bottle, but I want it, I'm going to grasp for it and try to take it. No, the idea of this word is, it's, I have the water bottle in my hand, but I don't want to let go of it because it's mine and I won't relinquish it. So the idea is this, is that Jesus did not consider his own divinity Jesus did not consider being in the form of God. Jesus did not consider being in that exalted place something to be held onto. And he didn't refuse to relinquish it when the time came for him to descend to the earth. That when the Father said, who will go for us, for the salvation of humankind, Jesus said, Pick me. I'll go. But Jesus, if, if you go, you have to, if you go, you have to let go of, you have to let go of all this. You can't, you can't go down in your divinity because they're in sin. And if you went down in your perfect divinity, if you went down in the brilliant light of all of your holiness, they wouldn't be able to bury you. So, so I know you want to go down, but just so you know, Jesus, if, if you go down there, you have to leave it all behind. And Jesus said, I'd be, I would be happy to do that. It says that he did not count equality with God a thing to be held onto and grasped, but he emptied himself. This is a powerful word that I wish we had hours to talk about together but we do not and it said he took on the form of a servant that the king in glory who had all authority and all power and all privilege and everything that anyone could ever desire perfectly satisfied in being God himself he said I will leave that behind I will empty myself 
I will go down to them because I love them and because I want them and because I'd do anything to have them. I want you to feel for a second this morning how far Jesus came for you. No one has ever been higher than Jesus and no one has ever gone lower. There is no one who has ever made a greater sacrifice than Jesus Christ and it didn't start on the cross. Long before his hands were stretched out on the cross for us, he sacrificed the infinite and eternal glory of heaven where he was king of kings and lord of lords and god of gods and he already had the name above every name. He didn't have to come die on the cross to have the name above every name. He already possessed it. But he did not consider it something to be held on to. And he gave that up to come down and to find us. Nobody has ever made a sacrifice for you like Jesus made it for you. And when he breathed his first breath as a baby in a manger, he had already given up everything for you. And he hadn't even begun to live his life. Are you guys thankful for Jesus this morning? I hope he moves your heart this morning. But I have more to say about him. It says that Jesus didn't just lower himself down to being a human but it says that Jesus lowered himself all the way down to being a servant that Jesus came down to be the least among us right so he could have come down from being the king in heaven to being a king on earth right he could have come down from being rich in heaven to being rich on earth that in itself would have been a great journey but Jesus says that's not enough for me he came down all the way to the lowest place of being born into one of the most despised people groups that have ever existed on the entire planet. The Jewish people have suffered more sufferings and been through more persecution and their name has been run through the mud. And as an ethnic people, they've been tried, there are other people groups that have tried to annihilate them more times than any other people group in history. They are the most hated, most despised, most persecuted people group in all of human history that have been scattered and flung all across the world and somehow still survived. And when Jesus had to pick a people group out of all the people groups, he said, I, it has to be that one. And when Jesus decided to pick a family, he had all the families to pick from, from the greatest to the least, from the rich to the poor, from those that were high and exalted to those who were low. And he found a little girl named Mary. He came to a poor, single woman in one of the least people groups that could ever exist on the planet. Friend, you can't get any lower than this. And then the way that Jesus decided to tell his story was for her to get pregnant before she was fully married. This was his design. 
He said, no, 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 it's not even enough for me to be poor and to be lowly and to be, no, no, no. I'm going to be born in scandal. I want to have one of the lowest, most difficult births that could ever be imagined. And here's why. So that Jesus forevermore could relate to any person who would say that they're of ignoble birth. This is what Paul said. He said, not many of you are from noble birth. The reason that Jesus had to be born in scandal is so that every human who would come after him who came from a bad home or from a bad family or from a bad situation would have a savior. One of the early church fathers said this, that that which Jesus did not assume in his humanity, he could not save. Which means that if he didn't take on the fullness of humanity, if he didn't go through everything that we as humans go through, then he would not be qualified to rescue us. He knows how to break you out of your prison because he's been in there with you. He knows how to get you Egypt because he's been to Egypt. He knows how to take the lowly and raise them up because he himself was lowly. He knows how to take a broken heart and to bind it back together because he lived our life. Aren't you thankful that we have a high priest who can sympathize? I'm just gonna get caught up in Jesus this morning. I don't even know if you guys are with me right now. I'm just gonna, I'm probably just gonna talk about Jesus until I cry and you guys can do whatever you want in the room. That's all I'm interested in today. Listen to what it says in Isaiah 53, two about him. It said, he had no form. Do you see the connection? Philippians two, he was in the form of God and he took on the form of a servant. And Isaiah says, he had no form or majesty that we should even look at him. Listen, if you didn't know that Jesus was the son of God and you were walking past him on the street casually, you wouldn't take the time to even glance at him. That's what it says, that he looked that way. It says that that he had no beauty that we should desire him. He was not one of the beautiful or one of the elite or one of the good looking or one of the fashionable, or one of the popular. He was not someone that you would stop to want to connect with. Why? He came all the way down to the bottom to meet those who dwell at the bottom. He took on the full measure of our humanity. Jesus took on the form of a servant when he was born of the likeness of men. Another thing that happened when Jesus was born is that he took, I want, I want to break this down for you today, is Jesus took on full humanity. And sometimes we don't actually think about this when we think about the incarnation, okay? But Jesus came so low that he took on all of the limitations of being human. That he existed in time, even though God exists outside of time and is beyond time and above time. He existed in space, even though God himself created space. He brought himself into the human story fully and he wasn't pretending. This is what I want to tell you today, that when Philippians says he emptied himself, it means he really did empty himself of his godlikeness. 
He put aside his divine power, all of the power that came with being the second person of the Trinity, all of the authority, all of the cheat codes to the universe. He said, I'm gonna play the game without those. Do you understand that? When Jesus was six years old and he wanted to climb up a tree in Israel, he didn't look around to see if anyone was watching and then go boop, tap into his second person of the Trinity power and float up to the tree. Jesus went and he climbed every single branch of the tree just like every single other Jewish kid had to. When Jesus had to learn the alphabet from his parents, Jesus didn't look around to see if anyone was watching him and then go click, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I got it. Second person of the Trinity cheat code. No, Jesus sat there as a little boy. It says that he grew in wisdom. Do you wanna know how he grew in wisdom? Not from tapping into his divinity because he studied just like we have to. I wanna say this, Jesus was not God pretending to be a man. Jesus was not God masquerading as if he was a man. Jesus wasn't God putting on the costume or the mask of humanity. Jesus, truly, the second person of the Trinity, God of God, took his divinity. This divinity was inside of here. He slurped it out and he set it aside and he said, I will not access it during my human life. I'll never cheat. Does it now make sense why the devil took him to the pinnacle of the temple and said, jump off. And don't, your divine power will come to the rescue and you won't. When the devil came to him and said, you're hungry, why don't you use your divine cheat code and turn these stones into bread? Do you see what the actual temptation was? The actual temptation was, don't be a human. Don't live within the constraints of humanity. Don't live limited. Don't live weak. Reach into your divinity. Use your authority and power and get yourself out of this situation. And every single time that was presented to him, he said no to it. He said, I will not cheat. Why is this important? Here's why. This is gonna bring us to the, to the need for the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus had to live life exactly like we have to live life. That's what I, I want you to understand this morning. That's what I want you to write down, is that Jesus had to live life exactly like we have to live life. That Jesus had absolutely no advantage over us by being the second person of the Trinity, born as a man. Because he set aside his divinity, he emptied himself of his divinity, and he didn't cheat. The reason why we need to believe this is because if we think that Jesus was cheating, we are never going to believe that we can do what he did. Oh, you say, oh, Jesus didn't sin. You want to know why? He was the second person of the Trinity. 
Jesus overcame the devil. You want to know why? Because he was the second person of the Trinity. Jesus did signs and wonders and miracles. You want to know why? Because he was the second person of the Trinity. Do you see how that gives us an out? I don't have to live like him because I'm not like him. No, no, no. The testimony of Scripture is that he became just like us. He didn't show us what it looked like for God to pretend to be a man. He showed us actually what a, a full man can be when given to God. It's the opposite. What can a man or woman, what can a human become if they live their life fully given over to God? This is the testimony of Jesus. It's why he said, you will do even greater things than I did. Jesus didn't think he was setting the bar so high that we would say, oh, nobody could accomplish that. No, no, no. He was showing us how to live the human life so that we would try to do it too. That was his goal, was to put before us a life that we could actually pursue. Are you guys still with me? Okay, I'm getting a little crazy up here, but I hope that you guys will stay with me. Now, here's, here's what I want us to talk about, the power of the Holy Spirit and the need for the Holy Spirit. It should be odd to us that Jesus needed the Holy Spirit. I don't know if you've ever thought about that. If you've ever asked yourself the question, why did Jesus need the Holy Spirit? If, if he is God, if he is the second person of the Trinity, if, why, why would he need the Holy Spirit? Why would he need to, to have God send him the third person of the Trinity? And I'm hoping that what I'm explaining to you is, is making more sense of it. That Jesus needed the Holy Spirit because humans need the Holy Spirit. And Jesus wasn't able to accomplish things without the Holy Spirit because humans, just like me and you, aren't able to accomplish things without the Holy Spirit. And Jesus didn't work signs and wonders and miracles in Israel until after he had been baptized in the Holy Spirit. Do you want to know why? We can't work signs and wonders and miracles until we have received the baptism of the Holy Spirit because that's how it works. Jesus came to show us exactly how the human life is supposed to work and that we are supposed to imitate it and to do it like him. I want you guys to open your Bibles to Luke 1.35. I just want to look at the early life of Jesus and I want to look at his relationship with the Holy Spirit. Here's what it says about Jesus in Luke 1, 35. This is his birth. Actually, let's back it up a little bit. Let's go to uh, Luke 1, 30. It might not be fully on the screen, but I'll start here. In Luke 1, 30, it says, an angel appeared to Mary, and here's what he said to her. Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. And he will be great, and will be called the son of the most high. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the most high 
will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called holy, the son of God. So here's what I want to start with. As we're thinking about Jesus, and this is true for us too, but that the very foundation of the existence of Jesus was the Holy Spirit. That from his very conception, the person that was doing the work to make Jesus who he was, was the Holy Spirit. Let's say it a different way. Without the Holy Spirit, Jesus would not exist. Without the Holy Spirit, Jesus would not have been born. Without the Holy Spirit, Jesus would not be Jesus. That God was actually intimately involved in his birth. But I want to flip it. I want to say this to you. Do you actually know that in the Psalms that it, that it says that you were knit together by God in your mother's room, womb? Did you know that God was involved in your conception? Not trying to make it weird. But God was involved in your conception. It says he knit you together inside of your mother's womb. That the spirit that's inside of you, God put that inside of you. That came from somewhere. He was involved in that. And so in the same way, you would not exist without the Holy Spirit. You would not be alive today without the Holy Spirit. You are here living and breathing and moving and having your being and doing all the things that you're doing. And the whole reason that you have a story is because of the Holy Spirit, that God sent forth his power. And I wanna say this, no matter what the situation surrounding your birth was like, I don't know why this is so important today, but I, this morning when I was praying into this, I just felt this. I wanna say that no matter how you were born, no matter how you were born, Some of you are the byproduct of a father and a mother who were committed to one another and who loved one another and they made a choice and you were born. There's a little bit more than that, but I'll tell you when you're older. Okay? Some of you, that's your story and that's a wonderful story. That's a beautiful story. And God was involved in that. And it required the power of his spirit for that to happen. Some of you did not have that story. Some of you didn't have a loving father. Some of you didn't have a loving mother. Some of you didn't have parents who had come together in the covenant of marriage. Some of you came forth from a completely different background. And I want to say to you that God was involved in your story. And that it required the same measure of power from the Holy Spirit for you to be knit together in your mother's womb as it did for any other person. And that he put the image of God on you in the exact same way that he put the image of God on everyone else. And he put beauty into the pages of your story, just like he put beauty in the pages of anyone else's story. And regardless of how easy or hard your upbringing was, I tell you, God was in your midst. That he was there with you and that he has plans and purposes for you. And if you've ever been tempted to feel ashamed of where you came from, I would encourage you today to let go of that shame. Because God brought you forth. Amen? Does anyone agree with that? 
I hope that ministers to someone in here today. I don't know why I went on that bunny trail, but I felt it real strong this morning. Man, you were, you were handpicked by God. You were handcrafted. Handcrafted. Jesus, the very foundation of his life was in the spirit. But I want to say this about Jesus, and this is true for all of us. It's not enough for our existence to depend on the Holy Spirit. There's actually another measure of the Holy Spirit that we need in our life than just the fact that we were made by God. And there's a lot of believers who miss this. They would say, I am made in the image of God, that is enough. But what Jesus recognized, and we're gonna go forward to his baptism, is there was actually a measure of the Spirit that he needed beyond that to be able to do everything that God had called him to do. I wanna say this to you. You are made in the image of God. You are beautiful. You are valuable. You are incredible. You are a treasure. But here's the thing. You cannot accomplish what you were made by God to accomplish in this life without a greater measure of the Holy Spirit. You don't get to say, I'm made in the image of God and that is enough. Friend, you need the Father to do to you the exact same thing that he did to his son, Jesus Christ. You need him to look upon you with favor and to send his spirit to you and to have that spirit fill you to fullness so that you can do the things that he's called you to do. You can't do it on your own. I want you to say that over yourself. Say, I can't do it. That's actually one of the most powerful phrases you could ever say. It's, it's the opposite of what our culture is telling you. You can do it. You can do it. Every Disney movie. Are you a kid, like 15-year-old with no wisdom? Well, then ignore your grandparents and parents and go on a journey and you will find inner strength where you can do it. I love Disney movies, like every single one of them makes me cry, but that's essentially the narrative. Your grandparents are like, don't do that. You're like, I'm gonna do it. Your parents are like, don't do that. You're like, yep, I'm gonna get on a boat. How far can I go, right? That's like every Disney story. And inside of them somewhere is the strength to accomplish their incredible destiny. It's Elsa walking into the cave where she's trying to find her power. And where did she find it? It's in me all along. Friend, as much as I like the songs in Frozen 1 and Frozen 2, and I will sing them, sometimes at work and get made fun of by my teenage coworkers, right? <laughs> if you go down deep into the cave of your own spirit, what you are going to find is that you are actually not enough. That's the actual truth. The actual truth is if you go deep, 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 down into the very center of your being, what you will find is that there is lack. What you will find is that down in here, even though you will see the beauty of the image of God, you will find that there's a part of you that needs to be filled for you to do what God has called you to do and for you to accomplish your purpose and destiny. And that aching center of the human spirit is the spot that's reserved for the Holy Spirit. 
There's a thing inside of you, a hungering, thirsty, desperate, aching, longing, will not be satisfied by anything else. You can take shot after shot. You can take hit after hit. You can watch every movie, binge watch every show. You can go from relationship to relationship. Friend, there's a thing inside of you that can't be touched but by God's Holy Spirit. You cannot satisfy it. I don't know if you guys remember the old show from like the 90s, The Donut Man. Do you guys ever see this? It's a really cheesy Christian show. He says, life without Jesus is like a donut because there's a hole in the middle of your heart. And he would take a little donut bite and he would put it into the donut and he'd be like, the gospel. And I was like, when I was like, eight, I want to say I was five years old, but I was probably 15. When I was like 15 year old, I was like, yes, that is the gospel. I'm like a donut with no sinner and I need the little Jesus Holy Spirit sinner to come in here, right? That is it. You can't do it. You can't do it. You need him. You desperately need him. I want you to flip over and we're going to finish with Jesus' baptism. I want you to go to Matthew 3. Are you guys having fun? You guys like Jesus? Okay, me too. Awesome. Hope this is helping you see him with more clarity. It says this in Hebrews 2.17. It says that Jesus had to be made like his brothers and sisters in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest. Jesus had to be made like us in every single respect that he would be able to become our high priest and that he would be able to give us grace and mercy and so that he would be able to start a new covenant that he would be able to be faithful to. He had to take it all on. Let's go to Matthew. I'm just hoping this will kind of blow your mind a little bit and then we'll finish. And I think we have baptisms coming up soon and maybe this will help some of you guys get stoked on baptism. I don't know if you guys know where baptism came from. Um, baptism, or being immersed in water, was a practice common to Judaism. And the reason why someone would get baptized, or why they would be taken and submerged into water, was because they were not born an Israelite. They were not a part of the family of Israel. And they were not a part of the religion of Judaism. They were outsiders. And if they as an outsider wanted to become an insider, they said, I want to join the nation of Israel and I want to come under the law and I want to be a part of God's covenant people if they wanted, essentially if they wanted to immigrate. If they wanted to become a citizen of Israel, the way that they would convert was by being baptized. So if you were a Gentile and you wanted to become a Jew, you needed to get baptized. If you were an outsider and you wanted to become an insider, you needed to be baptized. If you wanted to leave behind everything in your past and come in, this was the way that they said you could do it. It had powerful symbolic meaning. Pass through the waters, leave everything else in your life behind and come and be a part of us. Worship our God, leave all your other, other gods behind, leave everything from your past life behind, start this new life in Judaism. 
That's where it originally emerged from. And there's lots of other wonderful things we could say about baptism that we're not, we don't have the time to do. So with that in mind, it should be weird to you that a Jewish prophet named John the Baptist got up in the wilderness and started telling Jews who were from Israel that they needed to get baptized. Do you guys see it? Do you see it there? Here's what he was saying. You call yourself an insider. You call yourself a Jew. But you're not because you're a hypocrite. And you're fake. And you're not actually living for God. So just like the Gentiles have to pass through the waters to become a real Jew, some of you that are fake Jews need to humble yourself and be honest about your hypocrisy and you need to pass through the waters to show that you're going from being a fake Jew to a real Jew. And there were people that came from all over Israel that wanted to say yes to this. They said, I have been living in hypocrisy and I have been a fake and I have been in sin and I do want to come back to God. He said, good, then confess and repent and be baptized. And then they came to John and he started baptizing them. So now I wanna read the story to you because this, this hopefully will, will now blow your mind. Go to Matthew 3. We're gonna start in verse 11 then we're gonna wrap this thing up. I will not have seven clothing today. Just one. But like Aaron, it might go longer than what I'm anticipating. So... I've learned from my Jedi master. <laughs> I love it. So it says this, John the Baptist is speaking. He said, I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to even carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand and he will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Super intense, super intense. So John says, John has a, John has a promise from God that he's waiting for. It's a prophecy. John, there is a man that is coming after you who is greater than you. You baptize with water for repentance, but he is going to baptize with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And so John is expecting this great man to come. And he doesn't even deserve to touch his sandals. He's so great. He doesn't even deserve to touch his dirty feet. He's so wonderful. Now look what happens when this man shows up. Then Jesus came from Galilee, sorry, Galilee to the Jordan to John to what? To be baptized by him. Talk about unexpected. A man who had never once sinned was going to pass through the waters that were reserved for sinners. A man who had kept the entire law and had not broken a single command was going to come through the waters 
with those who had rejected God. And he comes up to John and he says, you have to baptize me. And now you understand why John acts weird about it. Because typically I read this, I'm like, John, why are you tripping, bro? Just like, he asked you to baptize him, just baptize him. He's Jesus. But now you understand where he says, John would have prevented him saying, but I need to be baptized by you. And yet you come to me. He is so confused by the humility of Jesus. Why would you ask me to baptize you who are perfect, unstained, unblemished, no sin? Why? Why would you want to do that? And Jesus answered him, let it be so for now. For thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. And then he consented. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water and behold, the heavens were opened to him. And he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Anna, if you can, I'll have you come up. Here's what I want you guys to see from this passage. Jesus's birth was an act of humility. An act of great humility where he took off all of his power and he came down in medicine weakness. And Jesus' baptism was an act of even further humility where he came down into our waters, the waters of our sin and brokenness in our old life, and he said, I will pass through there with you. Even though he had no need to confess, he had no need to repent, he had no need to return to God because he's the only one who never left God. But he did it to give us an example. And in that moment, that moment where Jesus was displaying his great humility, it ripped the heavens open. And God was so moved by that act that he didn't just allow him to pass through water, but he sent his spirit down upon him. Friends, I wanna talk about the power of the Holy Spirit today, but I wanna talk about it from this perspective. The Holy Spirit rests on the humble. That's what I wanna tell you today. The Holy Spirit rests on the humble. The Father is pleased deeply with the humble. It says the proud he resists, but he gives grace to the humble. It says that a broken and contrite heart, he will not deny. Jesus said, blessed are those 
who understand their spiritual poverty, that their bank account is empty without him. Blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And here's the key that I wanna give you guys today. And this is where we're gonna close. Some of you are longing to go further in the Holy Spirit. You want to experience more of the authority of the Holy Spirit. You want to experience more of the power of the Holy Spirit. You want to be the recipient of the greater gifts, which Paul said that we were supposed to eagerly desire and continuously ask for. Some of you are asking for a breakthrough into spiritual things. You want dreams and visions. You wanna see signs and wonders and miracles. In your lifetime, you wanna do greater works, like having the dead raised. And friend, I wanna say to you today, my command to you is go lower. Would you like the spirit to rest on you in greater measure than friend? Go lower, go lower, go lower. For his spirit rests on the humble. Stand with me today. You don't always hear this message preached in the spirit-filled church. That there's a connection between going low and between humility and service and sacrificing your life for others and for preferring others above yourself and the authority and power of the Holy Spirit. You don't always hear in the church that when you're slapped on the cheek and you turn the other cheek, when you're compelled to go one mile, but you go the second mile, when you're insulted, but you don't insult back, when others take, but you continue to give, when you forgive, even though that person never said sorry, when you could argue that person on that point and you're smarter than them and you could probably make them look so dumb, but you keep your mouth shut because you know that it wouldn't be fruitful. When you restrain your personality so that others can have space. When you don't take the front seat at the table, but you go backwards that these are actually the moments of your life that are of great interest to the Holy Spirit. These are the moments of your life where God looks at you and says, on that one, I will put my power. Paul said, I will not boast in my strength. Instead, I will boast in my weakness for it is in my weakness that he is made strong for his grace is perfected in weakness. Friends, there is an invitation into humility today. An invitation to go lower. An invitation to be like Jesus. And what I think that we'll find is that his spirit will come and rest on us in new and exciting ways here in the church, if we do.
Prayer team, if you're here, I would like you guys to come forward. If, if you're able, I don't, there's a few of you who would be able to. If you're in this room and, and you're longing for a greater humility in your life, if you're longing to go lower, if you're longing not to be stronger and stronger, but like Paul, maybe weaker and weaker so that you can have more of his grace. This is the day for you. This is the invitation for you today. So I'm gonna pray for us. If you'd like to, I want you to come down while I'm praying. You don't have to wait for me to stop. If you want prayer, you're saying, I, I want someone to pray for me. I want someone to pray for me. And if you even wanna just come to the altar and humble yourself, you're saying, Lord, I feel like today it really is a word even for some who have been walking in pride. Friend, do you feel like the wind is blowing in your face? Do you feel like everything that you put your hand to is surrounded by resistance? Do you feel like you're trying to move forward, but for some reason you keep getting blocked? Then I wanna give you a question. Am I walking in pride? For it says, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. He puts favor upon the humble in heart and he aids them in their journey. If that's you and you're saying, God, I want you to bring me into humility, come forward. I feel like God's spirit's gonna touch you today. So Lord, we ask right now that your spirit would move in this room. If it's late and, and you need to go, you're welcome to leave. Uh, but I, we're gonna pray here for a few minutes. So I don't wanna hold anyone up, but if you wanna tarry just for a few minutes, We'll linger for a second. I'm gonna pray for us. Just come to the altar if you need to have a moment with the Lord where you wanna talk about some of this with him. Lord, I'm asking this morning that you would take us lower. Lord, when I was 20, I thought all you wanted to do in my life was take me higher and higher and higher. More authority, more power, more leadership, more influence, more impact. And I'm sure that you still wanna do some of those things. But Lord, I'm realizing that you love to bring us down into low paths where we learn your heart of humility. You love to take Joseph's and put them in prison for a season to find lowliness of heart. You love to take David's who have been anointed to be kings and rulers and put them out in fields as shepherds so they can learn your lowliness of heart. You put your own son in Nazareth 
for years and years and years to form character in him. He sent Paul packing back to his hometown. Out of the spotlight. Off the stage. So that his heart would grow. Lord, I'm asking that you would give us a people in this room that are interested in humility. Lord, I'm asking that you would give us a people in this room that are interested in lowliness. For you said, I am gentle and lowly of heart. That you would give us a people in this room who want to be like you. And not just in your greatness and glory, but in your servanthood. If you dare, I want to I want to offer you a prayer this morning. It's, it's one I've been praying a lot. And it's been, Lord, I ask that you would take me lower still. Lord, I ask that you would take me lower still. Lord, I ask that you would take me lower still. that your spirit might rest on me and move through me and that your power would flow through my hands. Lord, take me lower still that the sick might be healed when I pray for them. Lord, take me lower still so that the dead might be raised. Lord, take me lower still so that when I preach the gospel, there's actual conviction and people get saved. Lord, take me lower still so that when I read your word, there's revelation and not just arrogance. Lord, take me lower still. Lord, take us lower still. Here's the final thing that I would say to us as we finish. I feel that some of you are confused about your season with Jesus. Because instead of bringing you directly into your promise, he's actually taking you on a journey where he's breaking certain things on the inside of you. And you feel confused about your journey because you thought that with Jesus, it was a straight shot into the promise and what you don't understand is that he's forming Christ in you he's forming humble meek Jesus in you through what you're going through right now and friend I encourage you if you're going through a season like that to thank the Lord for it say thank you thank you for forming me Thank you for breaking things in me. Thank you, Lord. So Lord, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for our church. I thank you for Jesus and for his humility and for the depths that he went to for us. And Lord, I thank you for the Holy Spirit.
your glorious Holy Spirit. And Lord, I'm asking God that we would walk more in your spirit, even as we walk more in the likeness of Christ. We ask this in your name. Amen. If you need prayer, you can come up. We'll linger here for a few more minutes, but the rest of you guys, you're dismissed. Thank you guys for this morning. We appreciate it. Bye-bye.